In today's sermon, Pastor Bernie shares on the birth, death, kingship of the Lord Jesus. Thank you for joining us in the message, The Cradle, The Cross, and The Crown. While they're heading out, if you go ahead and take your Bibles out this morning, I think we're going to, I'm going to be jumping around all over the place this morning, <clears throat> but I believe one of the first scriptures I want to read together with you uh, is going to be in John, the third chapter, so if you, you may want to find your place there. Now, every year about this time, we celebrate the Christmas story, the birth of Christ, and um, I didn't necessarily want to preach a Christmas sermon this morning, I, because... That's just what you do because it's the season. I'd rather preach something because God said preach it, you know. And so um, when I got before the Lord to just to ask Him what He wanted me to preach this week, God really didn't give me a very clear word. I've already put it away. I'll just hold this if that's okay. Uh, so I took another look at the Christmas story. I said, Lord, I want us to see something in this story that will challenge us and it will encourage us and uh, teach us something maybe that uh, we may not have otherwise uh, known. And so I wanted to take just another look at uh, the Christmas story this morning, even though we have a few more Sundays before Christmas. Um, uh, we look at this time of the year and all around the neighborhood, we're starting to see things that point our attention to Christmas nativity scenes and things of that nature, go to Christmas plays and this week we've been down helping uh, Salem with the Bethlehem walk. And um, I'm not a person that really gets out there and hams it up a lot, you know. But when I get in that mode, it's it's a lot of fun. So I've been enjoying it. I've been chasing people around all week with dead fish. And uh, you don't know how much fun that is till you try it. I'm, they wanted me to be the... Well, they didn't really tell me exactly what they wanted me to be. Jeannie volunteered to do the butcher shop, so we went in there, and, they, and the game department supplied us with some dead fish, you know, from that they caught from somewhere. I don't know. And so um, I thought it'd be a lot of fun to chase people around with dead fish, so that's what I've been doing at the Bethlehem Walk and kind of creating the environment of what it must have been like in the marketplace at Bethlehem. If you haven't been there, come on down. I, I got a dead fish just for you. I got a very, very fresh caught just today. By a good friend of mine, Zebedee from Galilee. Do you know him? He has two little boys, James and John. Yeah. Anyway, got to get in character there, and it's just a blast, man. I've been having fun. I'm really glad that we decided to help them out. Uh, but when we come to the story of Jesus being born, we know that it's much more than just a baby in a manger. There's a whole lot more to the story of Jesus coming, of course, and we all know that. Um, really, the birth is just the unveiling of a part of God's story and His plan for man. And so I wanted to take a look at that this morning in a message that I have entitled, The Cross, uh, the Cradle, the Cross, and the Crown. So why don't we pray before we get into our study this morning. Father, in Jesus' name, we, we look into Your Word, God, and we know that it has life for those who find it, God, and we pray this morning that you will just illuminate your word, Lord. I pray that your anointing will come, God, that we can uh, understand it, Lord, that I can teach it clearly, God, that it will be accurate, Father, it will be challenging, 
Uh, Lord, it will be food for our soul and food for our spirit. God, help us to grow because we've been here today, Lord, to understand just a little bit better your plan for man. Uh, not only as we hear it, but God, that we can get it down inside of our spirit that we can share it with others. Uh, Lord, maybe that we'll just some pieces will come together this morning to just better understand what you had in mind and, and why, Lord. So, Father, just speak by your spirit this morning. God, I just hide myself behind the cross. Lord, may people see Jesus this morning high and lifted up. Draw them unto you, O Lord. Uh, Father, that that people will come to know you and through your saving knowledge in Jesus mighty name. Amen. The First thing we think of when we think of the Christmas story, of course, is the manger. Uh, the manger served as a, as a cradle for Jesus when he was born. Um, we all know that the story of the manger was used as a cradle. But what we may not know is all of the prophecies in the Old Testament leading up to that event. Because most people don't know. They know that Jesus came, but they don't really understand that for thousands of years, God sent prophets to prophesy what Jesus would do. And this was just the culmination of those prophecies. Uh, in Genesis chapter 3, it said that, uh, he, that this, he would be born uh, the seed of a woman. If you remember when uh, Eve partook of the tree, it's interesting that God used the same tool to destroy the works of the enemy that the enemy used to destroy man, the woman. He said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between her seed and your seed. You will bruise his heel, but he will bruise your head. The Bible prophesied that he would be born of the tribe of Judah. Now, the priest, when Jesus was born, didn't understand that because he, if he's going to be a priest, he's got to be from the tribe of Levi, not Judah. But it was prophesied. They were so blinded by their teachings that they didn't really see and understand that this was a revelation and, and the manifestation of what God had prophesied through the prophets that they taught. It also prophesied that he would be the descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So we know that the Messiah didn't come through any other uh, lineage, that he would be a child of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. That's why we serve today the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, because that was all a part of God's plan. It's also prophesied that he would be the heir to the throne of David. We know that he was uh, and, and is. He sits upon the throne of David even now. It's also prophesied that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem prophesied hundreds of years before he came that uh, we would know the time of his birth. And Daniel has said that 70 weeks will be determined. And from the building of the city of Jerusalem until the coming of Messiah will be, actually it adds up to 69 weeks. Now a week was a seven-year period. So 69 times seven years. And if you go back and do the math, what you're going to find out is from the commandment to rebuild the city of Jerusalem to the time of Jesus was exactly that period of time. Folks, the accuracy of the prophecies. Just imagine foretelling something that's going to happen a week from now and getting it right would be an amazing thing. Amen. I mean, if I could do that, I would probably be a gambler and a wealthy man. Not that that's the right thing to do, but I mean, if I was in the world, if people could do that, they would probably do things of that nature. But just think about somebody prophesying something a thousand years from now and it coming to pass with pinpoint detailed accuracy. And these are the prophecies that we see in the Old Testament of the coming of Messiah, of the birth of Jesus. 
It was prophesied that he would be born of a virgin. I mean, what's the chances of that happening? God shall give a sign unto you, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And it was fulfilled. It was prophesied in, that he would also be called the Son of God. In Isaiah chapter 9, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David, upon his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth and forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now, folks, I don't know what people think when they say, well, Jesus was a God. When the Bible clearly points out that he's going to be called the mighty God. The Prince of Peace. And he still rules today. The Bible prophesied that there would be lamenting over the killing of infants in Bethlehem. And you remember when Jesus was born, King Herod was jealous. He sent the soldiers in and killed every boy child from three years of age and under. And it said in Jeremiah, it said, Rachel shall be lamenting, weeping for her children. Rachel died at Bethlehem, and it was called the city of Rachel. And it was in reference to Bethlehem, crying. So the world knows that Jesus was born in a manger because his birth marked history. I mean, it went from before Christ to A.D. in the year of our Lord. And so it was the changing point even in history. So we understand that he was born in a manger. Amen. I mean, everybody knows that happened. But what every person needs to know is that if I don't have a cradle experience in my life, I will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Because see, this is a type and a shadow of what we are to do as well. Jesus told a man named Nicodemus in John 3, if you found your place there, verse 1, it says there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these, things, these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. We have to have a cradle experience ourselves. You see, Nicodemus, what was interesting about this man is he heard about this teacher in the region. Some people said that he healed the paralytic by the power of just his name. That he was causing the lame to walk, the open, opening blind eyes and all these things. So I don't know how much of this Nicodemus actually saw himself. I do know that the Pharisees went many times to try to catch him in words of blasphemy so they could accuse him. And so he knew that Jesus had actually done miracles. He said that here. We know that you have to be sent from God. But among all the sinners, this is what occurred to me about Nicodemus. Above all the sinners in Israel during that period of time, he was probably one of the worst because he was deceived. He was deceived into thinking that his religion would save him. And Jesus told him, he says, no, Nicodemus, because he came. I don't know what he came for. The Bible doesn't say, but probably to ask Jesus questions. And before he could ask a question, Jesus saw right into his heart and just get, went right to the chase. And said, Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. 
And of course, Nicodemus says, I am old. How can I enter the second time into my mother's womb? He said, no, you don't understand. When your mother's water broke, you were born. Because that which is flesh is flesh. He said, but you must be born of water and of spirit. See, what had happened was his mind had been converted. With his body, he practiced the things of the law. He taught the things of the law. And he thought that those actions and that understanding would save him. But what Jesus was telling him was that his, his spirit was still dead. I believe at that point he began to understand what Jesus was saying to the Pharisees when he told them, you clean the outside of the pot, but inside it's still dirty. You're like a tomb that has been painted white, but inside it's still filled with dead men's bones. See, you practice all the things of the law, but you're still dead inside. You've got to be born like a little baby. You've got to have that cradle experience. And, and, and I like what Brother Noel said in our Bible study the other night. He said, being born again was something that I, I, I worked towards thinking that something was going to happen and that was just going to settle it. It was going to be done. That would be it. But what I learned was that was just the beginning for me. And it makes sense. When you're born, I mean, you're not an adult. I mean, you're a baby. It's a beginning of a growing and learning process. But folks, unless we come to that beginning, and a lot of people haven't, they're trusting in their religion. There have been people that have been raised in the church. They are the like Nicodemus. His father was a Pharisee before him, and his father before him, and he'd been around it all of his life. That's all he knew. And he trusted in that. And the churches today are filled with people that have been in and around religion all their life, but they have never been born again. They've never had the cradle experience. They're trusting in their religion and they're just like Nicodemus. They think that all of this knowledge and understanding is going to make them whole and complete and uh, give them entrance into the kingdom of God. But they're still dead in their spirit. The Bible says that if a man believes in his heart and confesses with his mouth, he will be saved. Amen. Romans 10.10 10. For with a heart... Man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I thought about that. You know, we get the idea, well, I believe it, so I'm going to speak it. But it's a much deeper subject than that. Jesus also said this, Out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. For out of the treasures of a good man's heart brings forth that which is good. Out of the treasures of an evil man's heart brings forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. So when we look at Romans 10.10, 10, it's not talking about well, just having a belief, acknowledging, yes, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. Yes, I believe that God raised Him from the dead. And in telling somebody that one time and it's settled. No, what he's talking about is when that is birthed in your heart, there's nothing on earth that can stop you from talking about it. Your mouth is going to confess that because that is what is inside of you. The heart man believes unto righteousness, but the mouth is going to talk about it and talk about it and talk about it because your heart is filled with it. And I'm afraid too many people have never had that cradle experience. And that's a question that we all need to settle. Have I had that cradle experience? Have I been born again? Can I point in history to a place in my life where the old me died and a new me was born? And this morning, if you can't point to a time like that, I would seriously consider getting before God and saying, Lord, 
I'm not really sure that I'm ready to meet you. If I were to die today, I'm, I don't know if I'm ready to stand before your presence. I don't really know that that spirit has been birthed in me. But I want to know today and have that credible experience. You need to settle that once and for all. Now, Jesus didn't come just to be born in a cradle. Because we also know that He came to hang on a cross. He came to hang on a cross. He said, for this cause came I into the world. He went on actually to tell Nicodemus, he said, I didn't come in the world to condemn the world, but that the world through me might be saved. Because God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. This is why He came. To hang on a cross and to die in our place for us. His life and His crucifixion were also foretold in the prophecies of the Old Testament. Let me just read a few of them to you. It was prophesied. I'm talking about hundreds of years now before this ever happened. It was prophesied that He would come out of Egypt. It was prophesied that, he would be a, that there would be a messenger sent before Him. We know that was John the Baptist and the spirit of Elijah went before Him. It was prophesied that his ministry center would be in Galilee. That's another one that threw the religious leaders for a loop. Because everybody knows the spiritual center is Jerusalem. Not Galilee. In fact, they said, can any good thing come from Galilee? Galilee was where all the knotheads and hardheads and thugs hung out. You know, people like Peter. He liked to cuss and fight. He was a loudmouth fisherman. James and John, the sons of Zebedee. Well, you know, Jesus called him the sons of thunder. Because Zebedee was, he was a hothead. When Jesus came and, t- and called them, they left their nets. And, and, and theologians and historians said that Zebedee, he went off. He had a temper tantrum. Where do you think you're going? we got fishing to do. can't just leave your nets and go follow this man. And who knows what he said. But that's the type of people that lived in Galilee. And that was to be the center of his ministry, and it was. It was also prophesied that Jesus would speak in parables. It was prophesied that he would bind up and heal the brokenhearted. It was prophesied that he would be a priest after the order of Melchizedek. That's another important point because, you see, all of the priests in Israel came from the tribe of Levi. Jesus was not from the tribe of Levi. How could he be a priest? He's from the tribe of Judah. But when you understand Melchizedek, Melchizedek was the man that Abraham met on the return from the slaughter of the kings. If you know that story, they went in and they took Sodom and Gomorrah and they took Lot, his nephew, took him captive and they took him to make a slave out of him. And when Abraham heard about this, he got his men together and he went and he killed these kings and took Lot and their possessions back and he'd give it back to the people and wouldn't keep any of it for himself lest... Someone would say that they had made him rich. But he took a tithe and he says when he was returning, he met this priest who had neither father nor mother, beginning of days or end of days. It wasn't talking about a spiritual man. It was talking about a man that had no lineage connecting him to the priesthood. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so he met this man. He says he gave him a tithe. And he says, and while Levi, who was... All the priests came out of Levi while Levi was yet in his father's loins. And Abraham, he offered a gift to this man. 
Jesus was a priest like unto Melchizedek. He had no connections with Levi. His connections had no beginning. It had no end. Are you seeing the connection here? He had no beginning of days or end of days, father or mother. Nothing you can connect his lineage back to but God. And so it's amazing. You see these prophecies and see them fulfilled. How could anybody read and understand these things and not know that Jesus Christ was exactly who the Bible said He was and is? Amen? It was prophesied that He would be despised and rejected. He would not be believed in, especially by His own people. Isaiah 53 says He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him, and by His stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray, each one going after his own way. And we have put upon Him the sins of us all. We esteemed Him stricken and smitten of God. All these things were prophesied, that He would do these things. It was prophesied that He would have a triumphal entry into Jerusalem, riding on the colt. It was prophesied that He would be betrayed by a friend. Even the price that would be paid for his betrayal was prophesied that he would receive 30 pieces of silver for that betrayal. It was also prophesied what would be done with that money. It was prophesied that he would be forsaken by his disciples, that there would be false witnesses against him, that Jesus would not open his mouth, prophesied he would be, be scourged, 200 years before crucifixion was even ever even thought of, it is described in detail in the 22nd Psalms. He said, my hands and my feet were pierced. There was no such thing as crucifixion when this was written, church. Do you hear me? Do you hear me, church? Are you with me? He was numbered among the transgressors. We know that he was hung between two thieves. He was mocked by the crowd. It was prophesied the parting of his garments and casting lots for them. It was prophesied that his families and his friends would observe him on the cross. Prophesied that he would be forsaken by God. Prophesied that his side would be pierced. That he would be given vinegar to drink on the cross. That he would commit his spirit to his father. Prophesied that his bones would not be broken. Prophesied that he would be buried in a rich man's tomb. Can you imagine all of these detailed, accurate foretellings of what Jesus would do? And He fulfilled each and every one of them. Folks, I just picked out a few. There are dozens and dozens of prophecies of Christ and what He would do. It was said mathematically. For Jesus to fulfill just eight of these prophecies, the chances of that happening in the life of one man would be one in one hundred quadrillion. It would be like filling the state of Texas three feet deep in quarters, flying over Texas in an airplane with one golden quarter and flipping it out the window. Then starting at the state line, blindfolded, wade through the quarters and stop and reach down and pick up the gold quarter. But yet he did it. God doesn't mind detail, amen? And brother, if nothing else gives you faith and hope, that alone should do it. I mean, you can't argue with this, folks. Irrefutable facts and proof that Jesus Christ is exactly who He is. 
And He had to come and hang on a cross. He wasn't the only one. Another of His disciples had to bear a cross. Peter. Remember, He told Peter, He says, When you were young, you went where you wanted to go. But when you grow old, they will blindfold you and take you where you don't want to go. He said, He spoke this of His death. Jesus was, uh, Peter was crucified on the cross also. And he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Lord. So they turned him upside down to be crucified. I chose Peter because I like the lyrics of the ballad that Don Francisco sang back in the 70s because I think he just kind of sums it up in words that just tells the story the best. I'll recite it for you. This is Peter recounting the events of the crucifixion. He said, the night after the cross, he said, the gates and doors were barred, the windows fastened down. I spent a night in sleeplessness, I rose at every sound. Half in hopeless sorrow and half in fear the day would bring the soldiers breaking through to drag us all away. Just before the sunlight, I heard something at the wall. The gates began to rattle and a voice began to call. I hurried to the window and looked down into the street expecting swords and torches and the sound of soldiers' feet. But there was no one there but Mary, so I went down to let her in. John stood there beside me as she told us where she's been. She said they've moved him in the night and none of us know where. The stone's been rolled away and now his body, it isn't there. So we both ran toward the garden and John ran on ahead. We found the stone in the empty tomb just the way that Mary said. But the winding sheets that wrapped him in was just an empty shell. And how and where they'd taken him was more than I could tell. Back inside the house again, the guilt and anguish came. Everything I promised him just added to my shame. When it came, when at last it came to choices, I denied I knew his name. And even if he was alive, it wouldn't be the same. Suddenly the air was filled with a strange and sweet perfume. Light shone from everywhere. It drove shadows from the room. Jesus stood before me with His arms held open wide. I just fell down to my knees and clung to Him and cried. Then He lifted me to my feet and He looked into my eyes. Love was shining out from Him like sunlight from the skies. All my doubt and my confusion disappeared in sweet release. And every fear I ever had just melted into peace. Because He's alive. Church, that's the news of the cross. He didn't stay there. The tomb is empty today. He rose again. After that, Peter saw him a couple of more times. Down by the sea one time, he's cooking fish over a fire, and he told him, come and dine. He told Peter, go and feed my lambs. The last thing that he told Peter and the other apostles was in Matthew chapter 28. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, commanding them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. The next thing he saw was him ascending into the heavens. Jesus had a cross to bear. Peter had a cross to bear. But what I think the Lord wants to see to this, us to see this morning is that we also have to take up a cross. Folks, it's not enough just to be born at the cradle. If you stop there... That's not enough. Because Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 16, if you look there with me, He said to His disciples, If any man will come after Me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow Me. 
For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Look this way and let me ask you something. What is he really saying there? Let me just put it in simple English. If you do it God's way, you will save your soul. If you do it your way, you're going to lose your soul. Because my way is always contrary to his way. I'm always wanting to get and gain and have more. But God says, if you, what, what good is it going to do you if you get all of the things you want? If you even gain the whole world. But you don't put this stinking flesh to death and all the desires of this flesh and you don't crucify it. You'll lose your soul, he said. You must take up your cross. In the book of Lucas, it says, take up your cross daily and follow me. So he commanded them to do all the things that he, uh, to teach them to do all the things that he had commanded them. What did he command us to do? To do it his way. So when we are faced with a choice, we need to ask ourselves, am I going to do this God's way or my way? And I think that's what Brother Tim was really alluding to this morning. God was just putting in his heart. You know, we sing these songs, Lord, you're all I need and my life is given to you and all. But when we really stop and examine ourselves and look in the mirror, are those things true? And most of the times, folks, we're going to find out that it's not true. There's still something here that needs to die. Something i got to nail to the cross today. Now, we can excuse our actions if we want to. And say, oh, I can't help it. Man, we ought to hate that statement. Well, I do this, but I can't help it. That is a lie. When God's Word says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, how dare I say I can't help it? I'm doing the best I can. Another lie, amen. Come on. Sometimes I do the best that I know how. And I pray, God, show me. If I'm not doing it right, please, God, show me. Didn't give me the conviction to do it right. How many of you ever have conviction when you mess up and do something wrong? Uh, maybe not in the last five minutes, huh? We all do. I mean, if the Spirit of God dwells in you, and we don't need to turn a deaf ear to that. When God convicts us, it's time to take that thing out and nail it to a cross. Because that's what He told us to do. There needs to be a cradle. There needs to be a cross. But the good news is there was also waiting for Jesus a crown. It was prophesied that He would be resurrected. It was also prophesied that He would ascend to the right hand of God. Revelation 19 tells us that Jesus wears a crown. It says in verse 11, I saw the heavens open and behold a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed in a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven, that would be us, come on, followed him upon white horses. I want a great big one, man. I want that thing to have feet like that. So it stomps on demons, you know what I mean? Yeah. Boy, we saw a big one going into Bethlehem there. I followed a kid up, and there was a Roman soldier sitting on a big Belgium. And the kid's eyes was like that. And he walked away. He said, that's the biggest horse I've ever seen. 
I'm like, yeah, man, I want one of them, a white one. They were clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. How many of you want a crown this morning? Man, it's not enough just to go to the, to the, to the cradle. I want to go to the cross so that I can get my crown. Amen? James chapter 1 verse 12 says, Blessed is the man that endures temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised them that love him. How many of you have loved the Lord this morning? Huh? Amen. Man, I'm, I'm ready for my crown. You know the neat thing about our crowns? We're going to put those things on not so that we can parade around and go, Everybody look at what I did, huh? You see all those stars? Yeah. I was serving God well when I was on earth. Now, it's not going to be like that. The Bible says we're going to take our crowns off and throw them at His feet. Because this is not what matters to me. The one that gave me that crown is the one that matters to me. And I don't know what it's going to be like, brother, but I just know I'm going to be with Him. And if you've ever been in the presence and know the peace that comes. In that story of, of, of Peter, it says, all the fears I ever had just melted into, into peace. Have you ever been in the presence, the manifest presence of God and felt that? Brother, I have. And it's one of those places you just don't want to leave. You're just like, just right here, God. I don't need anything else. I, this is just what I want right here. The glory of God, uh, uh, the kabod. Joe preached on it the other day. Brother, our, our human body can't stand but just so much of it. That's why we're going to have a glorified body. You're going to have to. Because you couldn't stand it otherwise. But one day, folks, if you will endure the cross, the cradle, you're going to get the crown. Amen? Revelation chapter 3. I'm going to just read this and I'm going to, I'm going to dismiss here. There's a warning here. And this is actually to the church at Philippi. This is the only church that Jesus didn't find fault with them. I'm sorry, the church at Philadelphia. And it says in verse 7 of chapter 3, Revelation, And the angel of the church of Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the keys of the key of David, he that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and kept my word. Let's just stop right there a minute. How many of you feel like you're just a giant in the faith and man, you walk in victory all the time? I'm going to let you get up here and preach and I'm going to sit down. How many of you feel like you have just a little bit of strength most of the time? And sometimes you don't feel like you have any strength. The Bible says be careful when you think you stand lest you fall. Let every man think soberly as he ought to think. For God has given to every man the measure of faith. He says, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. There's some people that think they're the gift of God's kingdom, you know. <laughs> they walk through the door, they're thinking, oh boy, we're supposed to bow down and worship this guy, you know. 
But I really believe the heart of God's people. Sometimes we condemn ourselves. It's like, God, I feel so weak, Lord. I was talking to a brother about that this morning. We just, sometimes we just feel so weak. Well, that's what he told the church at Philadelphia. He said, you had just a little strength. But you kept my word. Brother, that's what we were talking about this morning, wasn't it? You just had a little strength, but you didn't quit. Let me just stop there and build on that just a minute. How many of you have ever felt like just walking away from the whole God thing? You just had it. This just, just, just isn't working. It's too hard. I can't do this. Am I the only one that's ever felt that? Just so weak. Because I have felt that before. And what I have learned in that, and, and if I've said this before, I'm going to say it again, and you'll hear it again after this, because this is something we need to know and we need to remind ourselves of. It's been in those times that I, I just felt like I couldn't do this. That I didn't quit. And I didn't suddenly get some breakthrough and some great victory. I just held on. It was like, God, if you don't do this, I'm, I'm done for. I can't do this on my own. I have no strength left in me. And I would just hold on and I would see every single time it has never failed. I've seen a breakthrough. And I've seen God come through. And I could stand on the other side of it and look back and see that God was there with me to see me through that hard season. And usually it would be some great, sometimes a great blessing would come after that. It may be something God does in, in, in our service or in the church or in my own personal life or in somebody else's life. But I would see God do something big and, and good. And I would always stand there and think, if I would have quit... I wouldn't experience this right now. Thank you, God, for keeping me when I couldn't keep myself. And I remember John Kilpatrick, the pastor at Brownsville Assembly of God, preaching a message on that one time. He said, when you go through those seasons, it's like a, you're getting ready to give birth to something. And like a woman that's getting ready to give birth, brother, when they get right up to the end, they just want this thing done. In fact, if they could quit, they would. They don't want to do this anymore. And right at the end is when it is the most intense and the hardest. And he said, when you get to that point where the pressure is just about to destroy you, you can't take it anymore. What you need to do is push. Don't quit. Push. Because you're getting ready to give birth to something. And it's true. I've seen it happen in my life. I've seen it happen in the lives of some of you. He said they were weak. They only had a little strength. But they kept His word and hath not denied His name. Verse 9 says, Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved you. <laughs> Those that mock you, oh, you Christians, you bunch of fanatics and you're weird and all that. One day, my friend, one day they will bow at your feet. I didn't say that. God said that. They will bow at your feet and wish that day 
that they had been the one that God loved instead of mocking you, criticizing you, and in some cases murdering you. Verse 10 says, Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Folks, that's a warning. When I look around... I should see people that have stayed the course year after year after year. But how many of you this morning know some people that they're not following the path anymore? And some of them think they're okay with God. Folks, that is a very, very dangerous place to be. Some people teach that your crown can't be taken. That's not what God teaches. He said, hold fast that which thou hast. That no man take thy crown. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of God. And he shall no more go out. And I will write upon him the name of my God. And the name of the city of my God which is in New Jerusalem. Which cometh down out of heaven from my God. And I will write upon him my new name. He that hath ears to hear let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning. Bless you, Jesus. Lord, we praise you this morning, O God. Father, we thank you for the price that you paid, Lord, at Calvary. That you came, Lord, according to the words of the prophets. God, you set the example for us. You taught us what it takes to be pleasing in your sight. Lord, I pray for everybody this morning that hears the sound of my voice. That something has been said today, God, that may open their understanding to know That they need to have that personal cradle experience, God. They need to be born again. God, may every person that hears this message answer that question. Settle it once and for all, Lord. To acknowledge that they have to come and say to you, Lord, I have sinned against you and you only have I sinned. And ask you, God, to forgive them of, of that sin and to come in their heart and live. Lord, you promised if they would do that, that they would be born again. God, that you would put your spirit in their heart, God. So I pray, Lord, that every person that hears this message will have that cradle experience. But, Lord, that they don't just stop there. But, God, they dedicate themselves to live a life of sacrifice, Lord. And just as you commanded, we will take up our cross, Lord, daily and follow you. Lord, when we see that we're doing things our way, God. Lord, we're not forgiving. We're holding grudges, Lord. We're cheating people. God, we're, we're operating in jealousy, Hatred and anger and greed. All the things that you condemned, Lord. May we see, Lord, that we are not putting that on the cross. And if, God, we are not willing to put that on the cross, how can we possibly ever receive our crown? Jesus, I just believe this morning that the crown would never have been placed on your head had you not endured the cross. So, God, help us to see the example that you set for us. And even though you took upon yourself the sin of us all, Lord, you still told us that we need to die to that every day. So, Father God, today I pray that every person that hears this, Lord, will just make a decision today 
that no matter how hard it is, Lord, I'm going to choose and make a conscious decision to do things Your way, Lord, and not mine. Then, Father, we pray that when that day comes and we stand before You, that we will be acceptable in Your sight. Lord, make us like the church of Philadelphia this morning. And even though we have a little strength, Lord, we are not quitting. God, we're going to remain faithful. We are not going to deny Your name. So, Lord, this morning, if there's one person here that just needs to make things right in their heart before you, may this be a Christmas season, Lord, that they will always remember, Lord, for they will have a new experience with you, God, that will mark their life forever. If you're here this morning and you've never been to the cradle, Maybe you're trusting in the religious beliefs that you've grown up with, but you can't tell me this morning, Pastor, I remember the day that I died to me, to the old man. I remember the day that Jesus Christ came into my heart and made me a new creation. Can you see it? Was there a time? then maybe you've never had the cradle experience. My friend, this morning, you may not have ever been born again. But you can answer that question today. Jesus can come in and transform your heart and make you brand new. Give you a new beginning so that you start growing the right way. His way. Can you answer that question? If you can't say, I know that I've been born again, I'm going to ask you just to step out your seat and come to the altar. I want to pray with you. And we're going to answer that question today. Jesus Christ is calling you right now. What will you do with this man called Jesus? Will you come? Is there anyone? You know, I remember when I heard that call and I was so afraid. What will people think? What are people going to say? I'm shy. I don't want people to see me, think I'm a bad person. There are many things that the enemy will use to try to hinder you from coming to Christ. But friend, I promise you, you are among people who will totally understand, will rejoice with you. And God would never embarrass you. And when it comes to the end of it all, it really doesn't matter what people think. Lord, it matters what the Lord thinks. What does Jesus think about you? Are you ready to meet God this morning? Is there somebody here this morning and you've had the cradle experience? There's no doubt in your heart that you are right with God. You're ready to meet Him. 
But you've been doing everything your own way. And you know this morning, if you're honest like Tim was talking about, you have not been carrying your cross every day. Jesus warned us, be careful. Be careful that you don't lose your crown. I don't really know exactly what that means, but I don't want to find out. I would rather just do it His way. So if you're here this morning and there's some things that have been going on in your life and you're just not happy with what you've been doing, the way you've been acting, the things you've been saying, why don't you make peace with God this morning and with yourself? I'm going to ask Lauren to go ahead and sing this song. We're going to sing it through one time. The altar is open. I'm going to ask you to come. This is between you and God. This is not between you and me. But why don't you come and make things right with God today? Don't carry that out of here with you. Why would you want to carry a burden that doesn't belong to you? He says, come unto me, you who are burdened and heavy laden. I will give you rest. So why don't you come this morning as they sing?